You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. On today's show, a little bit of a crossover episode with our buddy Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. We caught up with him this week, and we're able to do a little bit of a crossover episode for Locked on Auburn, talking all things Auburn. And without further ado, let's throw it to our buddy Zach Blackerby, talking about Brian Harson and expectations, especially following Auburn's uh, first spring practice open to fans just last week. Hearing Harson talk, and then we got to hear Derek Mason and Mike Bobo Hearing all these guys talk, I'm like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I know this is going to be like a three-year-out kind of thing. It's going to take Harson time to get his guys ready and all that. But no, I, I'm having a hard time. I, I'm in. I'm bought into <laughs> you know, instant impact, instant success that Brian Harson is going to have. 12-0? and 12-0? and 0? Is that is that what we're thinking? Schedule-wise? Oh, 15. Let's do the whole thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, I, you know, there were a lot of people who were lukewarm on the on the hire of Brian Harson, didn't know what to think one way or the other. I've, I've said time and time again, I'm a fan of the hires that he made at the coordinator spots. You go get two proven guys like that. And I thought it was interesting this week where, you know, we heard Derek Mason talking and he revealed that he was on his way to the NFL. You know, he said, I, you know, look, seven years there, it, you know, with Vandy, I'm ready to to get away from the college game for a while and get back, you know, go to the NFL and just get away. And he said it was his relationship with Brian Harson. They shared the same vision. They shared a lot of the same things. And he convinced him, no, man, come over here. This is the spot. And that that's encouraging. Like that made me go, Derek Mason saw something here with Auburn that made this the right spot other than, you know, paycheck. But I I think he believes in what, in what Auburn has and the vision that Brian Harson has. And, you know, look, is it going to lead to a championship in a couple of years? We'll see, but you, you got to at least get excited about that with uh, Derek Mason saying that. All right, you're Mr. SEC. So if you had to rank the trio of Harson, Bobo, and Mason versus any other trio that's head coach, OC, DC, where where do they rank in the SEC? Are they top five? Are they are they you know towards the bottom? What what, what do you think? And I know the the correct answer and the thoughtful answer is. Zach, it's too early to tell, but I'm, you're you're not allowed to say that, Gordy. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question, right? I mean, when I look around the SEC right now, uh, Alabama, can we even keep up with who their coordinators are? Those change every year. Obviously, that they're the, their former NFL people. It, if you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's Saban at the top, and you could just say that's the best staff, no matter who the hell's working for him. But you know, I'm not putting Florida up there because I'm not. You know, obviously, I'm out on Todd Grantham. I think a lot of people are. Um, Kentucky hired, you know, Liam Cohen to, to run the, the, be the new OC. We'll see what happens there. The only one I would say that I really like, and it's weird because they didn't have a good year last year was, was Arkansas, but the Kendall Bryles, Barry Odom tree underneath Sam Pittman, I'm a big fan of, I think it'll work, but yeah, I mean, just in terms of name recognition, obviously LSU made some changes with a new defensive quarter and new OC. Those guys are unproven, you know, I, you know, maybe you can make a case for A&M, but I'd, yeah, I'd say Auburn's right up there in the top echelon in terms of, you know, top OC and DC underneath, a, you know, an unproven head coach. How do you think this is going to play this season? Do you think 
I mean, obviously we talked about the approach of going into last season was very different because of, you know, the pandemic and there was no spring practice and all that. But you've got a lot of dudes. There's a lot of people throughout the SEC, I guess two classes worth now, where this is their first spring practice. And you mentioned, you know, different teams are at different points of, you know, the the spring process. But for Auburn, um, I guess they're uh, about a week and a half into it now. Do you think that matters? Do you think there's any benefit to having experience of going through springs before? How is that going to impact other teams throughout the conference? I mean, kind of a weird question, but everything's so wonky now with eligibility and not getting to do things last year. Do you think that matters? Yeah, I thought Bo Nix, his quote a couple days back, I saw he said that this has been a really different spring for him because he's actually getting to spend a lot of time with the coaches. You know, we we neglect to, to think about that a lot, but think about how often these coaches are out on recruiting trips and going and visiting kids. And I mean, they're out on the road for days at a time and they're away from the team right now. You know, they still aren't allowed to, to visit recruits. I know that, you know, that's going to change come this summer, but you know, Bo Nix pointed out, yeah, I've had time to spend with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson. I've been able to spend a lot more time talking to X's and O's. And and so, yeah, that very well may have a, a good effect on on some of these guys, especially the returning starters, um, you know, that get just getting to spend more time with their new coaches and things like that. So I think it, I think it helps. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see the, the dynamic between Harson and Bobo and, you know, how cohesively do they work? I, I use LSU as an example because, you know, Steve Ensminger was the offensive coordinator a couple years ago and they bring in Joe Brady, this young, new, up-and-coming guy from the NFL. And a lot of people question, can that work? Steve Ensminger's old school and very set in his ways and Joe Brady's bringing in the new school philosophy. And look at how it worked. Now, they had a elite talent and Joe Burrow to, to, to go put it out there, but... Right. That, that's what I'm just, you know, behind the scenes kind of thinking, how is that going to work, the dynamic of Bobo and Harson, You know, because we've gone through this before with Chad Morris and Gus and who's really calling the plays and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'll be interested to see how that dynamic works. And then, of course, what effect does it have on the quarterbacks? You know, I think I, I keep going back and forth on Bo Nix, whether I'm going to buy into him this season or not. And, you know, there's still some people saying it's, you know, it's still going to be a battle and he's still got to go prove himself and earn that starting job. But yeah, uh, I mean, just moving on from from the Gus bus, you know, we don't know what to expect with, with Harson. We've seen what, you know, what Bobo could do in the SEC at times and some good, some bad. But, you know, how many wrinkles is he bringing in? How much is Harson controlling what's being run? You, you mentioned you mentioned Gus there a few times. Can you believe that he had an open practice at UCF. Like, are you kidding me? We begged that man for access for almost like a decade. And we didn't get anything more than like 15 minutes of being able to watch this team stretch. And then like his, he's there for five minutes and he's like, yeah, we can have an open practice. Like, Gus, are you kidding me? That's how things were at LSU. Like Les miles would keep everything close to the media and like everything close to the vest. And then We'd see him on game day, and the offense would score 10 points and put up 200 yards of offense. Everybody's going, what the hell were you hiding, Les? Like, there was nothing secret. that Your offense stinks. Like, what were you hiding? And then when Ogeron took over, they, like, opened up. They're like, hey, media invited in every day and all this. And it was like, what is this? We're not used to this. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's a little bit surprising. But guys change, right? I mean, Gus, Gus is, like, I, I know that stupid media reporter asked him that question about the pressure at UCF, but, like, He's got to be. He's got to be so excited. Man. They want him there. They love him there. Nobody's questioning his decisions yet, but that could change. 
More of our conversation with Zach Blackerby right after this. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Look, the SEC may not be in the Final Four, but we have a Final Four happening this weekend. And obviously, you want to get in on the action because I know your bracket has been long busted. Mine has been. Look, if you took Chalky and you had Gonzaga and Baylor or whoever in the in the championship game, odds are you're not winning your bracket. Somebody else had that as well. So if you want to make the games this weekend a little bit more interesting, head on over to Bet Online. BetOnline.ag, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to their website right now. Use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. It's BetOnline. They are your online sportsbook experts. Hey, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our crossover episode with Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. Here's more of our conversation. A lot of Auburn folks are really just like letting Gus have it. You're seeing more and more former wide receivers come out and say stuff. Anthony Schwartz said on this show, he was like, yeah, we'd run passing patterns in practice that made sense. And then he'd never call him in a game. So he's having meetings with NFL front offices and he's having to like defend himself. And it's like, look, Darius Slayton's doing it. I can do it. And it's just, it's the weirdest thing guys, because we'd have this set up in practice and we'd never run it. Seth Williams is saying similar things now. And I think as the public sees more and more of Harson and like, I like Gus, but man, it's just, it's totally different now. And you're seeing like the way Harson addresses questions and the way he talks to his players and things like that. And it's like, man, and I, I'm going to put myself in this boat, but like a lot of Auburn people are kind of looking around like, oh, we really haven't had a head Auburn football coach in a long time. It's just <laughs> been a dude that's kind of been able to facilitate some cool things that happened every three or four seasons. I think, Three years from now, I think we're going to look in the NFL and maybe not all three, but maybe at least two of the Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, Seth Williams trio. I think at least two of those guys are going to be big time players in the NFL and Auburn fans are going to be looking back and going and kicking themselves going, what the hell are we doing? Like what could have been if we, you know, we had some kind of competence of offense and, and play calling and all that you know, several years back at Auburn. I, I think we're going to look back on that. And, and may, may even be, you know, Tank Bigsby years from now is a stud running back in the NFL. We're looking back on, God, man, what what could have been had we had the right coaches in place? But, you know, here's hoping that the, the current coaching staff gets it done right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think these young receivers, these inexperienced receivers that they have, I think – uh, I think the sky's the limit for guys like Kobe Hudson, Devion Capers, if he can get healthy. Elijah Canyon showed what he can do in the bowl game. Kind of curious to see what Harson does with the transfer portal after spring practices are over throughout the country, and maybe they get some of these you know smaller school guys to come up and play. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. So you made a few comments about Bo Nix, and it seems like you've backed off a little bit. Last time you were on the show, you were pretty hard on the guy. Um, 
and, and rightfully so. I don't think he's done anything to you know say you know, you should absolutely believe in him. Um, but I'm starting to get more optimistic about it just based on you know hearing from Harson and Bobo because for the first time in a while, from the offensive standpoint, it seems like there is an offensive plan that is forming at Auburn, and I think that's huge for Bo Nix. Yeah, I. I... A lot of my criticism of Bo Nix was just based off of, you know, comparing his freshman year to a sophomore year, right? I mean, I, I expected him to take a big leap this past year, and we just didn't see that. It, you know, there were some good moments. There were moments where he looked like good Bo from freshman year, but we just didn't see that that meteoric rise. You know, the interception total jumped, you know, one more. The touchdown total came down in terms of passing uh, touchdowns. The rushing touchdown total was, was similar, obviously, but... I had heard from some friends in the Houston area of Demetrius Davis, the dual threat quarterback out of North Shore High there, that he was the real deal. And I had friends telling me, this kid is going to come in and compete for the starting job. And I think what we've seen, at least early on through the spring, is that the coaching staff, unless Demetrius Davis just jumps out over the next couple weeks and you go, oh my God, we got to play this guy. Like I think they're sold on Bo Nix is going to be our guy this year. We, you know, he he has had different coordinators. He's had different systems. We're going to settle him into our system, and we're going to run what works for him, and we're going to put him in a, in positions to have success. So I am coming back around a little bit on Bo. I'm not ready to say he's going to have a monster year and be a Heisman contender or anything like that, but I, the more I read and hear, it sounds like Harson and staff are sold on Bo Nix and willing to commit to him and, and roll with him and make it work this year. Yeah, D. Davis right now, he's like um, he's probably like the fourth string guy, which surprises me a little bit. But they sent in a a walk on quarterback before they sent him in on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, no, it it is. And look, I mean, it, when you look at that quarterback spot, just in recent years, it's been. I mean, let's face it. Like Auburn has had. It, when I think Auburn and, and when they're very successful outside of the Cam Newton year, obviously, it's always. Who was the running – like, it's always the dominant run game. The dominant run game is what sets up – or is what set up the pass, in, you know, throughout the years for Auburn to be successful. And so, you know, I, I heard, um, you know, Harson talking to Raven about Bigsby and Sean Shivers the other day, and that'll be an interesting one too. I mean, we expect Bigsby to take that step up and be the breakout guy next year, but, you know, a few things I keep reading, it's like, man, are they, are they going to go 50-50 with him and Shivers next year? Nothing against him. I, th- I think he can be pretty good too, but – um, that'll be interesting to see how the run game breaks out, but yeah, just looking at the uh, you know the quarterback spot again, I, I think it's love him or hate him. I think it's Bo Nix, and that's it moving forward. We're calling D. Davis Thick Marshall, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> it's probably a good call. Him next to uh, the, the the tight uh, JJ the tight end. I, I think those yeah. those are just two monster guys. More crossover talk with Zach Blackerby next. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate covered on all of the bars. And now they are trying to figure out who is the best Built Bar. They are having their Built Bar madness uh, coinciding today, the last matchup at BuiltBar.com. You can go vote on how you want to see this thing play out. You can also do so on Built Bar's Twitter account. It is bar underscore built. And remember, use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15. 
You will get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and you can check back to see who won the final matchup, the championship matchup to become the best tasting protein bar out there. But might I recommend if you go find something you like at, at BuiltBar.com, try the variety pack. They have all these different flavors that they've been putting through this bracket of best tasting protein bars. Honest to goodness, they're all good. So go try them out right now. Check them out, BuiltBar.com, and use that promo code LOCKED15, and you will not regret it. Are you ready for the NFL Draft? Locked on NFL Draft hosts. Trevor Sakema and Benjamin Solak give you the latest positional rankings and analysis on the 2021 draft prospects. They got team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. One more segment with our buddy Zach Blackerby, a little crossover talk, talking all things Auburn with the host of Locked On Auburn. You mentioned going 50-50 with, with Tank and Shivers. And that may be the goal, but Gordy, I don't really trust either of those guys to stay healthy at this point. And I think Tank's situation was a bit of a fluke, but both of these guys missed playing time last year due to injury. And Auburn doesn't have a whole lot of running backs in their stable of guys. I mean, they've got they've got, you know, the 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 true freshman Jarquez Hunter. And I I don't know how ready he's gonna be. And then they moved Devin Barrett from the defensive side of the ball to offense, and like that's that's it. That's the list. And Devin Barrett, I, I just don't think we really know what he can be. I loved him as a true freshman. And then Gus put him in, and the only thing they would run him with is they'd have him run a swing pass, and they throw it to him. And by the, you know, the fourth time they did that, the defense realized, like, oh, the only thing that Gus is going to do with him is run a swing pass <laughs> with him. But you can't go into the SEC season with four running backs, right? You've got to, you have to add some dudes, right? Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like. And I was actually surprised. I I thought I thought they'd be pretty active in the transfer portal, maybe just with you know hearing a couple of guys jump ship and you know follow Gus over to to UCF and all that. I I thought they might hit up the transfer portal and have some kind of you know like a uh, Florida got. Uh, you know, a couple of big additions that are running back through the portal. So I just thought maybe they might go that route. But let me let me spin this question on you real quick. Just based okay. on what we saw last year, what are you more concerned about? Are you more concerned about the offense or the defense going into this year for Auburn? Oh, the offense. I, I think defensively you've got the talent and the experience coming back where it's fine. I mean, Auburn, from a personnel standpoint, they've got, and Derek Mason talked about it earlier in the week, Auburn's got like six corners that you can put on pretty much any receiver in the SEC. And obviously, Roger McCreary is going to take the best guy. But you've got Nehemiah Pritchett and Marco Domeo and and Drayshawn Miller from West Virginia and uh, Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett. I mean, they've got all kinds of dudes back there. And then you love the upside of some of these younger guys like Tennyson playing safety and Smoke Monday coming back, and then the linebackers are absolutely loaded with Papo and Zacoby and Chandler Wooten coming back. So I like all of that. Obviously, it's going to take some time from a scheme standpoint to get these guys ready and to buy in what Derek Mason is doing. For me, it's the offense largely due to, you know, I trust Harson and Bobo's scheme. I trust Tank Bigsby. I think Bo Nix is fine, whatever. I don't think Bo Nix underperforming last year was all on Bo Nix. 
The offensive line, there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered there. A ton of them. And there's no way to know the answer until you start hearing reports once fall camp starts. And it's like, okay, this appears to be the starting five that they're going with. Because their best offensive lineman right now, Brandon Council, he's he's not participating right now. And so you can't really build dudes around him because he's got a sling on his right shoulder. What about Broham, my favorite name in sports? Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Brodarius Ham. It, it doesn't get much better than that. But right tackle, I think he's a guard, Gordy. Yeah. And Alzon, you know, hasn't been able to recruit any tackles. So you have to move either defensive tackles to, you know, play your tackle or you scoot guards out. And so that's what they did with, with Ham. I'm curious to see how Will Friend, offensive line coach, at Auburn. I'm curious to see how he handles all of this and what Bobo and Harson say as well. But the starting offensive line that we saw on Saturday was the same offensive line that you saw after Council went down with an injury last year, which makes sense. That's where they're starting with where they left off, and they're going to move guys around from there. But they've got some highly touted Juco guys that were behind them and at the tackle position, and I'm, I'm just surprised we haven't seen a whole lot of those guys. Wait, yet. Did, let me ask you this. Did I see that Bo Nix took a snap under center over the weekend? Was that right? Yeah, I think you're gonna see a lot of it. <laughs> I think you're gonna see a lot of that. And uh it's kind of amazing, other than that, you know, that that sugar huddle that Gus Malzahn loves so dearly that never really worked. I think that's kind of um I think you're gonna see a good bit of that. And Harson said they're gonna do more of it early on in spring just so they can get used to it and uh kind of just uh, really kind of get the muscle memory of con- you know connecting under center and all that stuff. So yeah, it's kind of odd. It's kind of odd, and you know uh, I think Bo Nix is going to get used to that. Um, you know that's an easy thing to get used to. I-, I think maybe, but the footwork, and that's kind of the thing that he's really struggling with is footwork. I mean that's uh, that's a lot more technical when you're under center. So it's just more for Bo Nix to have to learn. But this is all stuff that is totally, you know, achievable by him. He's got the athleticism to do this. I think he's got the, you know, the, you know, all of what it takes between the years to get all this done. It just hasn't been put in front of him in a way where he can just bring it all together. And I think Harson and Bobo, I mean, look, these are these are quarterback guys. I think this could be a great year for Bo Nix as far as him taking a big step forward. I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in the SEC by any means, but can he be a top half quarterback? I think so. And with the the talent that they have at receiver and the I, I think the defense that Auburn's gonna be able to have next year, I think a top half quarterback performance by Bo Nix, it may can get Auburn to nine or ten wins when it's all said and done. Yeah, here, and maybe maybe I'm shooting a little high there, but that's just kind of what I think right now. Here's what I'd like to see from Bo Nix, and you tell me if this is if this is too high of expectations. Okay. I, I want to see him complete over 60% of passes. He's been under that his first two years in the SEC. Right. I want to see close to 3,000 passing yards. Just that, that's, that's where we are in the SEC nowadays. I don't think that's a big ask. And I want to see the touchdown total over 20 passing. I think if he throws over 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 60% completion percentage, 10-2 and two next year for Auburn. Yeah, uh, I think one of those three things will happen. I don't think he throws for 3,000 yards, and I don't think he hits 30 touchdowns. But I do think the most likely of those three, and in fact, I would bet on this happening, is over 60% completion percentage. Because I think Harson and Bobo are going to make it to where the offense flows a little bit more smooth 
than it did in the past because once again, I think they're going to be able to craft game plans and get guys open and, and you know make things easier for their players. I don't know. Auburn has made offense look very difficult at times right. over the last few seasons, and I think it's just going to make more sense. Well, let me say this too with my my lofty expectations. You okay. Play, you play Akron, you play Alabama State, you play Georgia State. He should have three touchdowns in all of those games. So that's where my barometer of success is. Just the fact you get the cupcakes back this year. It's so funny. Wait, well, I, and I've been doing this looking at comparing stats from last year to this year. Like It's so easy to get wrapped up in the low numbers from last year, and then you forget, oh, yeah, we played 10 SEC games and nothing else. So I, you, the, pats, the stat patters are back this year. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC, a little crossover edition with our buddy Zach Blackerby from Locked on Auburn as we head into the weekend. Enjoy the Final Four. Look, no SEC teams in it. It is what it is. But uh, spring football continuing on for many SEC schools. We've got some spring practices or spring games right around the corner. Crazy to think we're already into April. Guys, May, June, July, SEC media days. August and then September, the start of college football. Crazy to think another season is less than five months away. We count down the days, talking all things SEC. Next week, we'll have some uh, great guests. Continue to get ready for the NFL draft, talking about some of the SEC guys continuing to prepare for the draft as uh, pro day season starts to wind down, and uh, we'll discuss that, as well as continuing all conversations from spring practices. Here's hoping no more Georgia wide receivers get hurt. My goodness. I'm Chris Gordy. It's been Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.